Well, this morning, if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, if you have one. If not, I'm going to have some verses on the screen here, so don't worry about that. But this morning, we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 1, and essentially, God is calling Jeremiah to be a prophet, and Jeremiah has a bunch of excuses as to why he does, why he's not qualified, why he doesn't want to be a prophet. And so today, we're going to talk about overcoming the I can't attitude, overcoming the I can't attitude, and seeing how God was able to help Jeremiah with his I can't attitude. Because let's face it, when it comes to things in life, we can have a lot of excuses as to why or why not we can do something. Some of the excuses why we can't might be, well, I don't know how to do it, or I don't have the right tools in my hands to do it, or I'm sore from running my last marathon, which is obviously not one that I use often, Uh, or I'm too busy with work. You know, that's one we get a lot. In Christian speak, and all of you know what Christian speak is, you know, Christians can kind of have their own language sometimes. You kind of learn what they're saying through the platitude of the phrase. And one one of them is this, well, it's the pastor's job to do that. That's what the pastor does. That's what we pay you for, right? You know, it's the pastor's job to do that. Or, you know, we took a spiritual gifts test and I just didn't score very high on serving. And so I'm sorry. I just, you know, that's just not my gift. Another one is, you know what? I've already served. It's kind of someone else's turn now, you know. And finally, and this is the one I love. This is the one I get the most. You know what? The Lord just isn't calling me to serve right now, you know. And so. You get this stuff, but a lot of times it'll some and now and of course I'm the kind of guy who will press a little, and a lot of times they'll come down to this: I can't because of, and you'll just get a list of things as to why somebody can't move out in an area of their lives that they know God is calling them into, whether it's an area of forgiveness, whether it's something on the job, something in their health. Uh, something in their marriages. There's an area of life God is calling you out to and you find yourself saying, I can't because, and then fill in the blank. Today, we're gonna learn some things that can help overcome those moments when we say, I can't. Because God's not the God of I can't. God's the God of we can. Amen? Amen? And so uh, this morning, again, if you're with me in Jeremiah chapter 1, the first I can't that Jeremiah has is I can't because that's too much for me. Well, it's not too much for God, but that's how often we can say, uh, how often we can word it is I can't. It's just too much. Jeremiah chapter 1, actually beginning in verse 5, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, for I am too young. This is kind of big. The first thing that God says to Jeremiah is, I have called you to be a prophet to the nations. Now, a little bit of context, a little bit of background. Jeremiah begins his life in the king of jo- in, in the, during the reign of Josiah. And Josiah is a good king. And he ushers in a revival. They start printing the Bible again. They refine the word of God. And, and a lot of people are realizing, wow, we've really strayed from the Bible. So Jeremiah in his youth was kind of raised in this incredible revival. His father was a priest. His grandfather was a priest. His great-granddaddy was probably a priest. Who knows? And so he's got all of this great heritage. He grows up under Josiah. And then he gets Josiah's kids who are not so good. 
fact, these kids are so bad, they'll lose the kingdom to Babylon. God is going to task Jeremiah with telling Jehoiakim and, and Zedekiah, the final kings of Jerusalem, the enemy's coming for you. And God's told me they're going to win. We're going to be destroyed. Might as well just surrender now. This is a fight we will not win. <laughs> Do you think he was the most popular guy? <laughs> How many of you, if somebody came and said, America, surrender to North Korea right now. They're going to win. We're going to lose. Man, we would be, what would we do to him? I mean, you, you guys could come up with a thousand things we could do to a guy who said something like that, right? You know, this is poor Jeremiah. God calls him with that kind of message. Now, Jeremiah's going, you know, God, I want to be a priest. Priests, that was easy. Priests, I mean, they had everything that they were supposed to do prescribed for them in the Old Testament. They'd be do it over and over and over and over and over. It became second nature to them. How many of you love jobs where you don't have to think? That's me. I love jobs where I don't have to think. The hardest part about being a pastor, you have to think. You know, that just it just goes with the territory. But if if you were to say, Tom, would you want a job where you have to think, or a job where you can just show up, do it, and then go home and not think about it? That's the job I would want. Wouldn't you want that job? That's the job that Jeremiah wants. He's God. I want to be a priest because you see a priest wakes up and knows exactly what he does every day. A priest wakes up and does the same thing every day. And when he goes home at night, the priest isn't worried that he didn't get it done because he's done the same thing every day over and over and over. He knows how to do it. Prophet. Prophet's different. Prophet never knows where God is going to lead him or what God is going to call him to say. That's a hard job. Being a priest is predictable. Being a prophet, unpredictable. So Jeremiah's going, <laughs> I think this job is too hard for me. All right? God, you got, you got the wrong guy, you know? I want to be a priest. I'm not prophet material, you know? I'm priest material. I'm go home at the, I'm going, I, I, I want to go home to my bed every night, not be in this town and this town. God, you got the wrong guy. It's too hard for me. And of course, this is what God says. I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I knew you. I'm sorry. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. What is God saying? God's saying, Jeremiah, I made you. I made you. I made you. I'm the maker. I'm the creator. I know what you can and can't handle because I made you. And if I say you can handle this, you were created to handle this. Jeremiah, you can do it, and you can do it because I made you. That's what God's saying. You didn't just happen. You didn't just come the usual way. Your conception was intentional. I made you, and I have been growing you, and I have been developing you. I chose you. Jeremiah, don't tell me what you can and can't do. I am more aware of what you can and can't do than you are aware of what you can and can't do. This is the interesting thing about God. You may look at yourself right now and you may think, I know what I can do. I know just how far I can be stretched. I know how much temptation I can handle. I know how much endurance I have. I know how much perseverance you have. You may think you know that. What is God saying? I know it more. I know it better. 
I know it more than you do. And Jeremiah, this may be, I agree, it's a hard call, Jeremiah. But you know what? You're the right guy for it because I need you to be the right guy for it. When I was in high school, they, they, everybody was getting these jackets, right? These, what they, Letterman's jackets. Yeah, Letterman's jackets. All my friends, everybody. And in order to get one at my school, you had to do something to get it. And, I, you know, I, I'm not really talented at anything. I'm not really good at anything. So I'm realizing, man, there's nothing. I'm, I, there, I'm, I guess I don't get a jacket. You know, there's nothing I can do. But one day, I got the idea in my head, I'm going to try out for the basketball team. Man, I tell you what, I got this idea. And when Tom Nackey gets an idea, he is not easily talked out of it. And so I got this idea. I show up at the tryouts, and they're like, even the coach is like, you know, you can't do this. You're too short. You're too white. You're too, you know, there's just, you you got no rhythm. You know, you you can't do this, Tom, you know. And the more they said they can't, I couldn't, the anger kind of rose up in me. And I, I was thinking to myself, there's got to be a way I can make this team. Well, remember, I had played football for six years before that. I was a, a fullback, a running back on the line. So I said, you know what? I'm going to get that basketball. I'm going to run like some big stout hog right through that line. I'm going to barrel through all those guys. And I'm going to start making shots. And I'm going to have the coaches notice me. I'm going to have the players notice me. And that's exactly what I did. I'd bust through. And I'd just be barreling out. Sure, I took a few penalties. But they took a lot of hits. And after a while, when I'd go through, I'd see people kind of back up a little bit. <laughs> they didn't want to get hurt by a hog. you know. So I'm just going through. I made that team. I made that team, I got that letter, and it was the first time, I think, in my life where I switched from I can't to I can, that there is something inside of all of us that we, it is yet undiscovered, and here's the message, God wants us to discover it with him. That there is far more in our potential than we realize. There is far more in our serving than we can do. You know, sometimes I think about the task of being a minister. The task of being a minister is hard. It takes a lot of guts to stand up here and deliver your, the thing most precious to you, your faith, every week. And I think to myself of some of the things it takes to be a minister. You, you have to be nice. <laughs> I'm not nice. I'm not a nice person, you know. You have to be gentle. My neighbors three doors down from me say, we hear you yelling and screaming. I'm not gentle, you know. You have to be, you have, you have to be smart. Well, I am smart. That's, you know, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you, no, it's, you have to be all these things. I think, God, I am not, you have to be holy. We won't even go there. I think to myself, you know, this is something that is greater than my capacity to do. And God's saying, you know what? That's exactly where I want you. God is saying to each one of us, if you only do what you know you can do, you're not stretching yourself. You're not growing. You're not reaching your full potential in Christ or in the world. It's just, you're, you're just playing it safe, waiting for this thing to stop. And God says, you know what? 
I've got something better for you. But you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to stretch yourself. You're going to have to let go of all of your excuses, all of your reasons as to why you can't, and say, if God's calling me to it, then I can. Amen? Number two. Second thing, I keep wanting to say Isaiah. Jeremiah, I got to get that in my head now. Jeremiah, second thing Jeremiah says is, I can't because I'm not qualified. Look what he says. He says, alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. God, great, you're calling me to be a prophet, and that's a nice little gesture. I, I appreciate the props, but I don't know how to talk. God, I don't know how to speak. Be careful. Be very careful at what you tell God you can't do. Because what does God do? Well, I don't know if I have this up here, but later on down in verse 9, it says that the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth. This is Jeremiah talking. The Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and told me, now I have filled, my, filled your mouth with my words. What did God do for Jeremiah? Okay, Jeremiah, you don't think you know how to speak? I'm going to touch your mouth. When, God touch, when, when it's God doing the touching, watch out. When it's God doing the touching, all of a sudden, you thought you were here, now you're here. All of a, you thought you could do this, now you're doing this. All of a sudden, you thought you were a this, and now you're a this. When it's God doing the touching, watch out. Be very careful what you tell God you can't do. Oh, God, I can't forgive. I can't forgive this person. Be very careful. Watch for that finger coming. You better duck it, dodge it, you know. Don't let that finger get you because the moment that finger touches your heart, believe me, you're going to be able to forgive. Oh, God, I, I can't endure. I can't stay in this marriage one day longer. Watch for that finger. Watch out. Duck it, jive it, you know, run, do something. Because once that finger touches you, what's going to happen? You can go on another day and another day and another day and another day. This is what Jeremiah is learning. God, I, I, I don't know how to speak. Oh, uh-oh. Now my words. Now God's words are in my mouth. What am I going to do now? <laughs> I remember when I was younger, one of the first uh, preachers I'd ever heard was a man by the name of Tony Evans. Uh, he's kind of popular now, you might know of him. But then he was not very popular at all. But I, I had heard him, and he had a tape recorder. Remember those? <laughs> a little tape recorder. He put it to the mic. And it was of him speaking 20 years earlier in a very obvious stutter. So when he was younger, he had felt called to be a teaching pastor or a Bible college professor or a pastor who teaches, you know. But all of his friends, all of his family said, no, no, you've got to stutter. You know, obviously, God has not called you to that. Yeah, all right, yeah. And he was good at sports. I was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to be an athlete. You know, so he was doing the sports and all that. But then one time, he was asked to give a, a message on something during college at an athletic event. And as he gave it, he just began to feel the rise of the pleasure of God just flowing through him. And he had this fight inside of him. I, I, I know I'm supposed to do that. He, had, he finally said, you know what? No more excuses. This is where I'm supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to be. And 20 years later, when I heard him, he did not have a stutter. Now, whether God just took that away out of obedience or whether he just learned to overcome it, I don't know. 
But the fact of the matter is, you saw a very joy-filled man being right in the center of where God had called him, and all of the excuses were gone. All of the excuses, even the excuse, I'm not qualified or I can't. The person who is aware of their inadequacy is often the one who is most dependent on God's all-sufficiency. Now, let me qualify this by saying, there are some things in life you do want to be qualified for, okay? If you are going in for brain surgery, all right, you want your brain surgeon to be qualified, okay? You know, So I'm not trying to make this blanket statement, but I think you see how this applies. Sometimes we can say, God, I don't know how to do this. Watch for that finger. Watch that finger. Because once that finger touches whatever it is you can't do, which is almost always going to be in the heart, you'd be amazed at what you can find yourself doing. And by the way, some of you are convinced there are some things you can't do. I can't forgive this person that hurts too deep. I can't ever step out and do this. I'm too afraid. I can't ever be this kind of person. I'm too weak. I want you to think about it. The words, I can't, have been flowing through your soul for a long, long time. Just like Jeremiah. I make a joke of it about ducking the finger. Don't duck the finger. When the finger starts coming, you stick your chest out. Say, God, touch my heart. Touch it. I need it to be touched. God, touch my lips. I need them to be touched. God, touch my hands. My hands need touching. When God does the touching, powerful things happen. Number three, we'll say sometimes our excuses, I can't because the time is not right. The time is not right. Let me tell you this. God wouldn't be asking at that time if the time was not right. I know we all have a sense of timing in our life, but God's got a sense of timing too. And if the timing is now, the timing is now. (laughs) Uh, Always, it seems that God will put some thought in our head and it's at an inopportune time. It's during an argument, during a fight, during vacation, during a time when you might not be able... It always comes at that inopportune time, but the fact of the matter is this. At that time, God is not only calling us into whatever he's calling us into, he's with us every step of the way. Jeremiah would soon learn, God never sends his servants alone. He is with them every step of the way. He doesn't call us to do something and then watch us do it. God calls us to do something and then does it through us. That's the amazing thing. And so the condition to the promise of God being with Jeremiah is he had to go. But Jeremiah, if you go, I'll be with you. Now, if you don't go, I'll be with you, but it's going to be with you in a whole different way. It's going to be in a pushing you from behind. And man, I've seen people live years of their life with God kind of pushing them, trying to get them out into living. Let's face it, so many of us, our excuses are just causing us to slowly die and retract in fear and safety where we never take a risk, where we never step out in faith, and we never experience anything supernatural, and we live with doubt, wondering if there even is a God. If there's one, been one blessing of this particular job being a minister, it forces you, it forces you to live outside your abilities and your comfort zone. And that's, to a degree, probably why I have some of the stories of, man, I saw God do this, and I saw spiritual things here, and, and deliverances here, and all that, because you're, you're put in that situation whether you want to be or not. 
You don't have the option for excuses anymore. And so my encouragement to you is once you get rid of those excuses and you take that step of faith, you'll, you'll begin to experience that sense of God with you. And, you know, things may come, things may happen, but you don't, they don't happen alone. The presence of the Lord is thick. Instead of a fear of rejection, God calls us to reject the fear. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing God will do inside. When God touches your heart and you can reject the fear, the power of the Lord is upon you. Because you see, one of Satan's biggest weapons is fear. He'll keep the church afraid. He'll keep everybody afraid. Nobody does nothing. We just live in fear. Tick-tock, tick-tock, waiting for this to stop tick-tocking. But once that fear is removed and we reject the fear, it's like opening up the gates of the power of God flowing through us. And all of a sudden, it's game on. Amen? Number four, I can't because I may get hurt. You may. The other three, uh, the other three doesn't hold a lot of water, do they? Oh, I'm not qualified. Oh, I'm not ready. Oh, I'm not this and I'm that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, God, a <laughs> snap of a hand can fix all those. With a touch of the mouth, God fixes all those. But you may get hurt. That one might happen. It may cost you. It may cost some of your reputation. It may cost. It'll cost something. But the fact of the matter is, that when God sends us to do something that may be dangerous, God also sends the strength to endure that danger. <clears throat> what does God say? This is beautiful. I don't think I have it up here, but in verses 18 and 19 in Jeremiah 1, this is what God says to Jeremiah. Jeremiah, today I have made you a fortified city. These are, he's pumping them up. Jeremiah, today, I have made you a fortified city. Today, I have made you an iron pillar. Today, I have made you bronze walls to stand against all the land and to stand against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and its population. And God says, they will fight against you but they will not prevail. Let me say, Tom, what does that mean? Remember this. Listen to me. Remember this. Attack you, they can. Overcome you, they can't. Attack you, they can. Overcome you, they can't. That's what the cross purchased for us. Attack you, they can. Overcome you, they can't. Anybody ever wonder how the Gladiator games ended? Some of you are going, no. <laughs> I never even think about that. The Gladiator games were like the Super Bowl in the Roman Empire. And I mean it. People from miles around would come to see particularly the games that the emperor sponsored. Because there would be free bread, free food, all the best gladiators. The, the Colosseum, if you've ever been in Rome, the great Colosseum would be packed and filled with people. Commerce, everything happened. The emperor himself would come out. It was this great Super Bowl event. 
in ancient Rome. And of course, what it was, was watching men and groups of men in combat kill each other. And of course, the more blood they spilled and spread across the sand, the more the crowds would cheer. The Roman Empire was insatiable when it came for their lust for blood and to watch blood flow from a human being. It was the year 405 A.D. Emperor Honorarius held such a game, the Super Bowl, in the twilight of the Roman Empire. People from thousands of miles came. Of course, at this time, Rome was quickly becoming Christian, and higher-ups in the government were Christian, Christian bishops, Christian priests. and So we had a Christian delegation come, and one was a Syrian monk named Telemachus. And as he sat and watched the games and the crowds cheering, as man after man was gutted with a blade, he began to weep. He began to cry. And he began to feel God calling him to do something about it. So halfway through the games, he jumps down onto the field, the field of blood. And he starts running around shouting, This is wrong! This is wrong. We, we have to stop this. God does not want us to do this. We need to stop this now. No, one man is not meant to kill another man. This is wrong. Let's stop. The gladiators on the field started laughing. They charged him and they carved him up into a sight. But the people in the stands were not cheering. They began to shout, boo, or all. And they were horrified, men and women alike. And slowly they exited the Colosseum. It ended the games. The gladiators stood there bewildered at what just had happened. They were the stars of the show. And they'd just been walked out on. It was within a few months that the Roman Empire officially made illegal gladiatorial games. All because one man put aside every excuse he could to go out and do what was right. Now it cost him something. It cost him his life. That's a powerful, a powerful thing to give up. Cost him his life, but saved countless thousands. Because he gave up the excuse, I might get hurt. So what is the answer to all this? The answer is found in Philippians 4.13, where Paul says, I can. Notice Jeremiah's posture is, I can't. But Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can through Christ. And so... When you've reached the point where you say, I just can't stay in this marriage another day longer. I can through Christ. I just can't work under this boss another day longer. I can through Christ. I just can't endure this pain another day longer. I can through Christ. I just can't persevere another moment. I can through Christ. On your own, you probably can't. Through Christ, you can. Amen. 
And this is what God is saying to Jeremiah. Through me, you can do anything. Well, not anything, but you know what I'm saying. You know, you can do what I've called you to do. I can do all things through Christ. You may say, well, how? I mean, that's great. That's a great saying. I'm going to write it down in my Bible. I'm going to have it all over my car. But you know what? How does this work? Let me show you the context. In the context, Paul gives you the clue. It's the next slide here. Paul gives you the clue. Next slide. Survey said. (laughs) Paul gives you the clue to tell you how you can do it. And it's the context of Philippians 4. There we go. Paul says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through him, Christ, who gives me strength. Look at this. For I have learned, I have learned. What's the secret to overcoming the I can't attitude? I have learned. Was Paul saying? Failure after failure after failure of getting back up and getting back on the right path. I blew it, but I'm getting back up and I'm getting on the right path. I did it again, but I'm getting back up and getting on the right path. I thought it again. I'm getting back up and get on the right path. Paul says, I have learned. It didn't just get automatically downloaded. You're not going to walk out of here today and say, hey, I'm never going to have an I can't attitude again. No. Paul says, I have learned. I paid the price. I overcame my excuses. And now I have learned whether I got a lot, whether I got a little, whether my circumstances are good or whether my circumstances are bad, to be content in Christ because he's with me. And because of that fact, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. By failing over and over and over, Paul learned to trust God with everything. And sometimes for us, it's learning through our failures over and over and over. We learn to trust God with everything. Next week, I am going, next week, you've got to come here next week, because next week we're going to talk about overcoming discouragement. Jeremiah gets very discouraged. He has an arch enemy named Pashur, Pashur, and Pashur throws him in shackles in prison. Jeremiah, he goes through some, you've got to see what God says to Jeremiah when he's in prison. It's amazing, but that's for next week. For today, God says, I formed you. I made you. I know what you can do. You'll be prone to limit yourself. So give your life over to me so that you can experience the full of your spiritual potential. And you won't die many years later on your bed wondering about the life you could have had. You'll die looking back, remembering the life you lived in Christ, doing all things through him who gave you strength. Amen? Before we close this morning, I'd like for us to think 
about our excuses. <laughs> and by the way, you may say, man, why, you know, Tom got really excited this morning. It's because I'm preaching to myself. When I get excited or angry in a message, it's not at you. It's at me. Because I am like Jeremiah. I can't tell you how many times I've said, you know, God, this is too hard. God, I'm not, I'm not your guy. I'm not qualified. Or God, I'm not ready. Or God, I may get hurt. <laughs> I, I was preaching to myself this morning. Trust me. Trust me. You know what? When that finger starts coming toward me, I'm going to stick my chest out, my mouth out, my hands out. I'm going to stick everything out and say, God, touch it all. I need a fresh touch in every area. And I want that, God. I want that. Because you know what? Attack me, they can. But overcome me, they can't. And I want to live that. I want to live that, Lord. I want to live that. So right now, just take some inventory. What, what might be your excuse? What are some of the excuses you give? I'm too busy. I'm too tired. I'm too lazy. That's just not me. It's too hard. I'm not ready. If God's poking at your heart, the time is now. And where you may feel you have inadequacy, allow his all-sufficiency to come and fill that part of your life. So go ahead right now and say, and just kind of lift your hand up like this. Everybody, just watch me here. Just kind of lift your hand up like this and say, Lord Jesus, I give you my excuses. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'd like to give one more invitation before we close, and that is to make probably the best decision of your life. Because for some of us, we have had excuses as to why we have not made a decision to follow Christ yet or to follow God. And I just want to make a very simple invitation. If this morning you'd like to say, you know what, this is it. I want to become a true Christian. This isn't just because of my family. This isn't just because I was raised in it. This isn't just because of traditions. This is the decision of my heart right now. I want to receive the forgiveness of my sins from Jesus Christ, and I want to make him my Lord and Savior. The excuses are gone. Now I'm just going to say yes. If that's you, just go ahead and raise your hand high in the air right now. Go ahead. Amen. 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 I know it takes guts to do that, but trust me, you will not be disappointed. He will be the best friend you've ever had. Amen. Why don't we pray this together? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. I make you my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your spirit and empty me of my excuses. In Jesus' name. Amen.